Dominus Vobiscum, Lectio Sancti Evangelii, Secundum Marcum. Jesus said to his disciples, In those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of the earth to the end of the sky. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, know that he is near at the gates. Amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. Verbum Domini. Take a moment, please, and make sure your cell phone is turned off. Apagonos telefonos celulares, por favor. I've mentioned it before. If somebody arrived right now, or even later in the Holy Mass, and they stayed even to the final blessing, would they fulfill their obligation to attend Holy Mass on Sunday? No, they wouldn't. Why? Well, the Gospel, we just heard the Gospel. The Gospel is an essential part of the Holy Mass. It can't be skipped. But as you can see on the cover of the bulletin there at the bottom, um, um, we have eight Masses here. There's a Mass after this one, 8 o'clock. See on page 4, they could attend that one. Turn to page 4, you see yesterday was the Feast of St. Lawrence O'Toole. And today's Sunday, November 15th. I forgot to put it down. Today is the Feast of St. Albert the Great. Um, you see this statue here, this black and white statue, that's St. Thomas Aquinas. He's a doctor of the church. Tremendous doctor of the church. His teacher, St. Albert the Great, also a Dominican. One of the uh, fundamental uh, principal founders of the order. Um, at the University of Dallas, uh, started decades ago, um, they put the seminary down here where men study to be priests, and up the hill is the University of Dallas, and in between the seminary and the university, they put the priory or the monastery of St. Albert the Great. Dominicans have been there from the beginning. Um, about five years ago, they tore it down and uh, moved it somewhere else on the campus but it used to be right there in between the university um, and the seminary. On Monday, it says, uh, tomorrow is the Feast of St. Margaret of Scotland. You know, you can go online and you can uh, study the life of St. Margaret of Scotland. She's tremendous. Um, uh, St. Margaret of Scotland was a tremendous um, Christian witness. She, she had the most difficult job of turning her husband into a human being which is the job of every wife. I mean, my bride, 
the church has to do the same th- same thing to me. So um, you read about her and Saint and and her Saint Margaret and her husband King Malcolm. You look on Tuesday; it's the feast of Saint Elizabeth of Hungary. If you read about her life, she and her husband loved each other. But guess what? In the background, there was a mother-in-law. Oh wow! The um, the um, uh, if you have problems with your mother-in-law, I would say pray to Saint Elizabeth of Hungary. Wow. The, um, and St. Elizabeth was tremendous in her resilience. Um, Wednesday is the feast of um, two, the dedication of two basilicas in Rome. Um, the one inside the walls of the Vatican, St. Peter, and the basilica outside the wall dedicated to St. Paul. And uh, Saturday is the feast of the presentation in the temple of the child Mary. So... Uh, that's the uh, schedule for this week. Turn to page 7, and you see it, uh, just a blurb about the cover. The, um, the traditional names for the parents of Mary, the grandparents of Jesus, St. Joachim and St. Anne. Over there, in that corner, uh, you see up above, you see that the baby Jesus behind him, a sunburst. Below that, you see a statue of the Immaculate Conception. On this side, in orange, you see St. Anne and the child Mary. The, uh, of course, we know that Our Lady um, never had any kind of a difficulty or test or trial. She had, a, she had a bird nest on the ground. She had a real cakewalk. Well, I mean, look there on the cover of the bulletin. That's a, a depiction of Joachim, St. Joachim and St. Anne uh, presenting her in the temple. So... After she entered the temple, mom and dad went home. That's not easy for a girl um, uh, or a boy, a young girl, a young boy. It was, um, it was one of the first tests or trials of Our Lady's character. Of course, it also prefigures the presentation in the temple of Jesus. Look on page 7 and you see the Women's Guild has their last meeting for 2015, Sunday, December 6th. So, um, uh, if you're a woman and you'd like to attend, you are most welcome. You don't have to join the, um, the Women's Guild. You might enjoy their company and decide to join anyway. The, um, also, um, not a lot of people, but some people ask me about how they can contribute to uh, a for, uh, the church at the end of the year through a 401k or IRA mutual funds. This is a way you can, um, you can get that started. The bottom of page seven, the Knights of Columbus. They're called the uh, busiest uh, little council in Texas. They do a lot of charity. Last night, the Knights of uh, Columbus and the ladies went up to Webb Hill. Charles and Shirley Ranley uh, hosted them, as they've done for, for many years, opened their home to them, their dining room, and had a beautiful awards dinner last night. Congratulations to, the, to those who received awards, and thanks to Charles and Shirley for your hospitality. This afternoon they had a, uh, a silver rose um, uh, presentation over in Our Lady of Fatima in Quinlan. The, um, page 9, there's the extended novena if you want to be part of that. And now for the eye chart on the back page of the bulletin. Okay, cover your left eye. Can you read that top line? Sure you can from the back row. Sure, there you go. Why? Why am I doing this? You, you would be amazed. But... Two months from now, 
we have the first class, right? Um, uh, January 16th. Sometime in February, people will come up to me and say, when does CCD start? And I'll say, in August. What? You mean, can't, I can't start right now? You're so mean. Well, why don't we just kind of just let it all hang out? Why don't you say you're mean and you're fat? Okay, fine. All right, and your question is, right? Your question was, when does CCD start? It starts in August. Well, um, the, uh, somebody pulled that on me in September, and I pulled out the bulletin. I said, you know, this is running the bulletin the last four weeks. We were on vacation. Um, so if somebody is going to be on vacation the next two months, when was the last time you had two months of vacation? Right? Huh? I checked. There's nobody here registered named Rockefeller. Right? So nobody takes what? They didn't have a computer? You can read the you can look on page one at the top. You can read the bulletin online. Some people actually have cell phones. They can call the office. Imagine that, right? When does CCD start? It's a secret. Can't tell you. So I ain't buying it. Why? Because um, right now, the kids who started CCD in January, they're making their first communion in November and December. The ones who started in August, they'll make their first communion in April, May, June, and July. And the people who don't want to get with the program, fine. There's no charge. There's no cost. But you do have to start with class number one. Um, the, there you go. Uh, I teach the class. Um, the, uh, we have it here in church. It works. There's no bureaucracy. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but do I get these kind of questions? I got a question the other day. Father Paul, will you write a letter to send it to so-and-so church and tell them we took CCD here? But ma'am, y'all, I've never seen y'all before. Oh, that's right. We've never come here before. Can you tell them, you want me to write a letter and lie to them? She wouldn't answer the question. I said, what political party do you belong to? Just kidding. <laughs> I thought she must be a house, in the House of Representatives or something like that. But anyway, she, she, that's what she wanted me to do. So uh, I asked her how much she would give me. No, I didn't ask that question. The, uh, I get asked a lot of weird questions, okay? Um, on the back page, uh, back side of the front page of the bulletin, um, here is something about the Catholic Foundation. Uh, the Catholic Foundation, um, when in my last, I was in my last parish, they got us out of uh, difficult spots again and again and again. It was like getting out of jail. Um, they were tremendous. And before I got here, they had done the same thing over here. Um, there are a million reasons to like the Catholic Foundation. In fact, there, as it says there, there are over a hundred million reasons to like them. Yeah, over $100 million in grants have been distributed to Father Paul over the past 28 years. That's how I wish it read. Um, <laughs> so um, you ought to look into the Catholic Foundation. It's really, really does good work. And it could be a way for you to um, organize your retirement. Um, also, um, the, um, you see this, uh, the man who read the readings today, that's Brother Francis, he's here um, from Italy, you know, um, in Norcia, where St. Benedict and St. Scholastica were born. There's that basilica over their birthplace in Norcia, just outside of Rome. And um, 
the uh, they started the, uh, they started back having uh, monks in that monastery. Well, once a, once a year they let him out, and he gets to come home to visit. So he's home. He's here for a home visit. So be sure and say hello to him. Um, the uh, evidently he's the one in charge of making the beer, and business is good. Yeah, don't you just love Catholic Church? The uh, somebody once said in a liquor store, everybody is Catholic. <laughs> in a liquor store, <laughs> you'll see the Baptists and you'll see the Methodists. It's like, hi, how you doing? Hi, how you doing? We're all Catholic here. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> okay, from the gospel today, in the same way, Jesus said, in the same way, when you see these things happening, know that he is near at the gates. Amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. In the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit. I grew up in Dallas. I went to grade school at St. Philip. Then I went to high school at Bishop Lynch. When I finished high school, I started going to uh, junior college, taking a couple of courses a semester and working, and had a second job. So uh, when I was 23, I started at the University of Dallas as a sophomore. Um, I, I had taken tests um, at grade school, high school, and community college. But this was a university, so I was like, oh, this is a big time. So it was about this time in 1982 um, when I was getting near the finals, I started getting kind of nervous, you know, final exams. Of course, all the guys are really being nice at the seminary. They're telling me, oh, you're going to die. You're going to die. No, it's, you know, just, just give up. The, uh, nothing like having friends in college. So um, I, uh, I was feeling kind of nervous about final exams. Um, how am I going to get through these final exams? So I, I walked up the hill to St. Albert's Priory, where the Dominicans are, and I was looking for uh, Father Kane, Father Thomas Kane. In World War II, Father Kane had been stationed in the Philippines. The Japanese invaded the Philippines, tortured the people terribly. There was one march where they rounded up thousands of people. It was called the Bataan Death March. Along the way, they didn't give them any food or water, and um, so many uh, fell to the side. They were often they were bayoneted, just killed like like cattle. Uh, Father Cain was part of that death march of Bataan, and he survived. Eventually, he came to Irving and uh, was on board with the start of the University of Dallas. He didn't talk about this, but word got around about what Father what what trials, what tests he had been through in the Philippines. He was a very patient uh, teacher, very, very excellent priest. So I went up to him, and I walked up the hill, and just before the university, I see Father Cain. He's out there um, working in the yard in front of the uh, monastery, the priory. And so I, I told him, um, I, I, think I, I think I can remember the exact words. I think I said, um, Mommy? Yeah, I think that's what I said. I was so nervous about those final exams. Um, so I said, what do I do? I'm, I'm wor worried I'm not going to pass my final exams. And this was his advice to me. He said, you'll do fine. Yes, yes, you'll do fine. Now, obviously, this was not his first rodeo. I was not the first student to come up to him and say, 
I'm nervous about finals. Right? I wasn't the first one. And he said, yes, yes, you will do fine. Yes, you will do fine. So I thanked him. I turned around. I walked down the hill. Remember that figure in the Lord of the Rings, Gollum? That's who I, I looked like that day. About halfway down the hill, I stopped, and I'm talking to myself, saying, I was talking to myself, saying, well, that was great advice. Oh, you'll do fine. Yes, yes, you'll do fine. Then my guardian angel knocked on my shoulder and said to me, hey, listen, you walked up the hill. He was working. You interrupted his work, and you asked his advice. Why don't you listen to his advice? And I did. And like a get-out-of-jail-free card in Monopoly, the next seven years, that advice, um, when final exams came along, I didn't worry. I wasn't stressed. Um, I, of course, I took his advice, and I twisted it like taffy. Um, kids are saying, what's taffy? Ask your mother. The, uh, yeah, I just twisted it. Twisted his advice, and this is what I came up with. I would study. I would do the best I can on my finals. I would breathe in and breathe out. And if I didn't pass the test, at least I would outlive it. And so I finished three years of undergraduate, four years of graduate school. I outlived every one of my exams. And obviously, I was socially promoted. The, uh, <laughs> but think about it. Um, the, um, the, the prospect of having final exam was paralyzing to me. I knew that Father Kane had been through much more a much more difficult time in the Philippines than I was with the final exams. And so I looked to him to direct me, and he was very helpful. I recognized, too, you know, his advice did not say, you'll get an A on every exam. Uh-uh. He said, you'll do fine. Uh, and guess what? I did fine. Um, the, uh, no one's ever said in confession, before I start my confession, uh, what grade did you get in this course or that course? And don't start. I can hear some of you. Don't start. <laughs> the, uh, there is a trap door in there. I'll push the button. The, where'd he go? I don't know. The, um, so um, when, when you look at the, what's happened just in the last few days in, in Paris, um, you see that we are, um, we are in a time of great stress and, and great trial. You know, the, um, uh, for, for at least a hundred years, the people of France um, have been very different from the, the centuries before that. You see, France is called the eldest daughter of the church because France was the earliest country to sign on to, the, um, to the, this new faith in Christ. Today, there's a problem in the churches across the country of France. They have a terrible echo in those churches. Now, you look around right now. Look around in the church. You see, you see other people here. You don't see that in the churches in France unless there are tourists, right? Um, people don't go to church in France. There are exceptions, right? But uh, on the average, France has, for over 100 years, they've been boasting of their lack of faith. Um, the, um, they've been very secular. And so now that um, these things have happened, um, 
they're, they're trying to deal with it. In fact, we have a couple of big examples, public examples, um, of people who, by their own words, in other words, they're, they're openly talking about themselves, they tell us about their very secular lives, the, the kind of life that doesn't really square with the Bible. Um, um, Geraldo Rivera, his daughter, was at one of those sites that was bombed, attacked by the terrorists. And he's been very open about his, his kind of um, 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 wild life. Um, and what happened to him the other night, he cried on TV. Yeah, all of a sudden, um, what he's been doing for decades kind of caught up with him. Um, uh, Francois Hollande, uh, sorry, Francois Hollande, we're not supposed to say the D or the E or anyway. Um, he, uh, he's a leader of France. And he was in one of those venues, too, that was under attack. He could have been killed. Um, he's secular. The, his, his lifestyle, if you've studied, if you listen to his own words about his own lifestyle, it's... Uh, uh, so, the last time France closed its borders was 1944. They tried closing their borders uh, on Friday. They tried. But see, they had decades, um, maybe even a century, of really bad decisions. And you don't turn around on a dime after that much time. Um, think about today's gospel. Just look at what Jesus says at the beginning of today's gospel. He says, in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Um, Jesus is not giving us an astronomy course here. But did you notice that what Jesus said is astronomically, scientifically true? Uh, the sun will be darkened, so the moon will not give its light. Yeah, the moon is a reflection of the sun. The, um, Jesus is, is telling us there will be trials. There will be difficulties. Um, you must be prepared for this inevitability. Um, don't... Um, don't uh, don't be caught off guard. Um, what Jesus is doing here is preparing us. He's preparing us for the trials um, so that you and I can, um, can see our way through with our faith in Jesus. Now, um, the, um, uh, what Father Cain told me, um, mothers and fathers, grandparents, aunts and uncles have to be telling their children and grandchildren on a regular basis. So many people think that bishops and priests, deacons, brothers and sisters are the primary teachers of your children and grandchildren, nieces and nephews. That's ridiculous. Um, since the 1960s, the Second Vatican Council, they've been underlining parents are the principal educators uh, in the faith of their children, grandchildren. And nieces and nephews. Yeah, this is what you have to be imparting to your children, grandchildren, nieces and nephews. Where are they going to pick it up? In, in public school? That's not their, that's not their job. They, they can't do that. Or in some instances, they won't do that. Um, they're not going to hear it from Hollywood or sports figures, with rare exceptions. So where are they going to get it? They're going to get it from you. Um, you're going to have to step in 
and be the um, the one to explain this to them when they're when they're starting to get uh, paralyzed. That's what was happening to me just before my first um, final exams at the university. Uh, I was starting to get paralyzed, and uh, I trusted Father Kane. And yeah, you will do fine. Yes, yes, you will do fine, because I knew um, from his personal experience he had been through. Uh, bigger things than final exams like that. Um, the uh, uh, the world um, the world gives us mixed signals. The church gives us mixed signals. Um, um, in 2015, there was a uh, there were a lot of new bishops made in this country, um, not here in Texas, but in another state there was a new bishop made, and he's been going around for years telling people um, there if there is a hell, nobody's there. Well, look at the look at the first reading. Um, the prophet Daniel tells us that God says many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some shall live forever. Some shall live forever. Others shall be an everlasting horror and disgrace. They'll be in hell. I don't have to listen to that bishop's opinion about hell. And the church has been um, consistently telling us, warning us about hell. The Bible does, Old and New Testament, warn us about hell. This reading does. Um, just hours before that attack in Paris, President Obama said publicly that uh, ISIS has been contained. Maybe he was right. It's been contained in Paris. Yeah, that's the good news and bad news, right? You, you look at those images. Uh, I don't think President Obama was trying to mislead anyone, but he was wrong. ISIS has not been contained. You look at those people um, shot like cattle on the streets or uh, in that stadium or that uh, hall, just mowed down. Um, and now people are saying, maybe, maybe we were wrong. Y you think? You think. And, and they're going to be able to just kind of spin around and now... Just like a light switch, they're going to fix everything. The same people who got it wrong, and got it wrong big in France, now they're going to fix it. Trust me, I'm from the government. I'm here to help you. Oh, Lord, we need to pray for these people. Uh, the people who died, the people who uh, are wounded, and the people who have um, um, been impacted by seeing all this, witnessing all this. But we also have to be... Um, uh, not to process it according to our faith, our faith in Christ, who tells us 2,000 years ago that these things will happen. There will be a final exam. Sir, sir, will, will this be on the final? Yeah, he's telling me and you. He doesn't want us to be paralyzed. Um, next Sunday, next Sunday is the last Sunday. Um, of the calendar year. When most people hear that, they say something like this. Oh, really? I, I didn't realize that. What's for lunch? What's on TV? They're not really impressed. It's, it's called the Sunday of Christ, the King of the Universe. Now, let me tell you about the following Sunday. This will scare you, especially mothers and grandmothers. The next Sunday after Christ the King is Sunday number one of four Sundays 
before Christmas. <laughs> I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Right? You know, we can joke about it, but think about it. The uh, uh, Continually, there are things that test us, uh, serious things that test us. Um, Christmas is, is not really up there. But think about how mothers are tested in a big way in childbirth. Um, you may have lost a child, um, uh, predeceased you, or uh, a loved one, a mother, a father, a spouse. Uh, friends, people are tested every day. It happens every day. All of these tests are getting us ready for the final exam, which will come. Um, and Jesus doesn't want us to be caught off guard. He doesn't want us to be led astray. He doesn't want us to, 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 to get this one wrong. You'll do fine. Yes, yes, you'll do fine if we recognize the truth of what Jesus is telling us. Jesus says, in the same way, when you see these things happening, know that he is near at the gates. Amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit.